We'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel 23. We're continuing, of course, our study of the nation of Israel, and we're seeing it at the time of the kings, and we're looking really at a king. We're focusing on King David. If you remember, we started 1 Samuel. We saw Samuel himself, who was the last judge, and then Saul, the first king, and now David, the second king in 2 Samuel. And what we'll do is when 2 Samuel is over, we'll follow it in there to 1 Kings. We'll see a little bit more of David, and then we'll see Solomon, and that'll be the first 11 chapters of that. So we'll, we'll go through the first three kings of Israel. When you think of David, you go, wow, David, a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest kings of all time, one of the great men of all time. And when you think of him, you think of several things. First of all, we always say, well, David, David and Goliath. David, as a young man, killed Goliath. We think of that's fantastic. And we also think of David and Bathsheba, and we think of his failure there. And, and sometimes people, you know, they want to label people with their failure, or sometimes they want to label people with success. The Bible says, here's the failures, and here's the success, and this is a man after God's own heart. And so all of us in this room, we've, there have been times we'd say, God used you, you know, and there are times in our lives we'd say, we failed. And so we're thankful that we look at the life of David and that God takes us and uses us for his glory. It, this, is the, this is sort of the end. In fact, we're at the end of David's life. This is called David's last words. We'll see that. We're going to look at several things in chapter 23. David discussing the covenant that God made with him. We'll talk about that. And then enlisting the mighty men. We've been talking about how that there's a group of men that were with David and he called them as mighty men. Now, he had a big bunch of soldiers, but there were men called as mighty men, and we'll talk about those as we go through it. And so, as we look at this, several things to think about. The, the contrast between God's promises and our promises. When we realize that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. When we make a promise, we may or may not keep it. We'll talk more about that. God's covenant with David, that's powerful. It's how you put the Bible together to be able to understand that. What was that promise? How did it fit? And then the contrast between God's blessing and judgment, and we'll see that toward the end of the passage. So let's start with this. Our word, your word, my word, is important. If we say we're going to do something, we should do it. When Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so if we say it, is it true? Do we mean it? And do we do it? We make promises, but we don't always keep them. The truth is we don't have the power. I may say I'll be there at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, but I could get up and the alarm not go off, the car won't crank. I mean, I mean, something could stop me from coming. Now, when Jesus or when God makes a promise, everything that he says is true. And in Romans 4, it says God is able to do whatever he promises because he's all-powerful. And whenever he makes a promise, he keeps it. And he has all promises throughout the Bible. And all of these promises come true. We're going to see a promise that he made to David. In fact, we're going to see this, that God made specific promises with the nation of Israel that affect the entire world. Now, let me want you to understand something. God has a people. He chose them. He, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, he chose them not for salvation but for service. And so he has a people group called Israel. He is not through with Israel. There are people who teach today that God's through with Israel and the church has taken their place and, and all the promises to David, they won't come true. The truth is God has not cast away his people, Israel, as it says in Romans 9, 10, and 11. The, every promise to Israel will be fulfilled to Israel. And their promises to King David, they will be fulfilled. We're going to see them. 
And so God keeps his word, and there's specific promises that he made with the nation of Israel. They affect all of us, and we'll see how that works. This morning, we're going to see a covenant that God made with David that affects all of us. So two things in Samuel, 2 Samuel 23, the, the covenant and the mighty men this morning, we're really going to look just, let me, let me put the chapter up for you. Uh, we're only going to look at the first seven verses, and we'll have to kind of hurry through that a little bit because it's, there's a, some hard things, but there's some things I want you to see. David speaks of himself. David speaks of God, and then the covenant, and then we see the mighty men. I think you're going to like it. Uh, next week, when we go through the mighty men, it's pretty incredible what's there. I mean, one man kills 800 people, and we'll talk about it uh, as we go through the Bible, as we go through that. Well, let's begin. And God made a covenant with David. It, I'm sorry, that didn't get changed. It's 2 Samuel 7 verses 12 through 17. So uh, don't write down 17. It's 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17. It's where God made a promise concerning the kingdom and the Messiah to David. We're going to go back there in a little bit and look at that. But this is a promise God made to David. You, You may realize from the Bible that God came to Abraham and made a promise to him. God came to David and made a promise to him. And we're going to see some of these promises. Now, let's look at chapter 23. My Bible says this is David's last song, but as you read the verse, it actually says this is David's last words. So let's look at it. Chapter 23, verse 1 of 2 Samuel, it says, Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares, the man who was raised on high declares, the anointed of God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. So David is writing this. Apparently, this is toward the end of his life. He says, these are the last words of David, and he's going to say some things. And and when we say the last words, the word there is oracle. It has the idea of of some really important information. Uh, A lot of times when we look at the oracle, we think the oracles of God is is the word of God. So what David is fixing to write down is going to be God's word. And of course, we have it in now in the word. When he got it, that's how he wrote it down. And we have it as the word of God. Now, what I want you to see is pretty neat is how does David describe himself? Look at verse one again. Now, these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse declares, now watch what he says. The man who was raised on high declares, the anointed of God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. He describes himself in three ways. First of all, he says he was the man who was raised on high. Now, you remember David's background? He was a, he was a shepherd boy. I mean, his, he had a daddy named Jesse. He had a bunch of brothers, seven or eight, seven or eight in the whole family. And he's the youngest. And whenever they would go do something, they'd say, David, you're the youngest. Just stay out there with the sheep. I mean, he would say that I didn't get to do much. I mean, I was young and I was nothing. And I was just a shepherd. And God raised me up. He raised me up to be the shepherd of Israel. He raised me up to be the king of Israel. He took him from being a young boy, a shepherd boy, and made him the king of Israel. So David says, I'm the man who was raised up. I'm the man. Think about us. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, he makes you alive, and he raises you up, seats you in heavenly places. This is Ephesians chapter 1. Seats you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's who we are. Then he says this, he was called the anointed of God, the anointed of God of Jacob. In the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings were anointed. Anointed was taking oil, and they would pour it over somebody's head. It was symbolic of really the Holy Spirit coming and them being empowered to do a job. Prophets were anointed, priests were anointed, and kings were anointed. 
David calls himself the anointed of God because he was anointed. When he became king, they poured oil over his head. And, and so it's really a kind of a special one there. And uh, God raised him up to be a king, to be the anointed one. And then here's the third thing he describes himself as the sweet psalmist of Israel. I mean, he wrote the Psalms. He wrote a lot of them. In fact, there's 150 Psalms. We think, the best we can tell, is David wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms. That's a lot of songs. And so what a special guy. You know, when I think of David, I think of a fighter. I think of this tough guy from the time he's 14, 15 years old. I mean, he's ready to go to war. He kills Goliath. He's a, a you know, he goes out and he fights and kills his 10,000s. I mean, he's a great, but at the same time, he writes music. He writes songs. He puts things together. He was known to be able to play that, in, that instrument, you know, and, and people would go, wow, that guy can do it. I mean, he was an amazing guy. So the Bible says, what was he? He was a shepherd. From a shepherd, he becomes the king of Israel, raised up by God. He was a fighter. He was a warrior and a leader of the nation. And he was a man with a heart for God. And he wrote songs and, and everything else. Let me... Uh, let me, if you would, go ahead and turn just real quickly to Psalm 78. I want you to see something. Psalm 78. It's, it's a long psalm, but just turn there real quickly. And I want you to see what it talks about David here. But at the very end, let me put this up for you. Psalm 78, verses 70 through 72. This is a psalm, and it's talking about what God did for David. Look at verse 70. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. Does that sound familiar? He was a shepherd, and he took him and brought him out from the sheepfolds. Then it says, and he took him from the lambs and brought him to shepherd his people Israel. So he took him from taking care of animals to shepherding the people as the king. And then here's the last thing. He shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them with his skillful hands. When you see David, David was a man of integrity and a man of skill. Now you'd say, well, David messed up. Yes, he did, but everybody messes up. David was a man of integrity. He was a great leader. When he said his, when he kept, he did his word, he kept his word. I mean, there were times he messed up, but if we look at our lives, we'd say, can we be men and women of integrity and skill? We can be, even if we mess up. And God calls David a man after God's own heart. And think about what he did for us. I mean, he, he, we, David was chosen by God and raised up. Every one of us in this room who have believed in Jesus for eternal life, we have been raised up by God. Well, go back to 2 Samuel chapter 23 and notice what he says again. These are the last words of, the, of David, the son of Jesse. He was raised up. He's anointed. He's the sweet psalmist. And then he says something that is amazing. Look what he says. Verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. You know what he's saying? He's saying, God spoke through me. Now, you know, we know in the Bible that the prophets, they'd get the word of God, and they would say, thus says the Lord. David says that God spoke through him. You got it right here. What he's about to write down, what is written down right here, is God's revelation through King David. And so God actually spoke through David. When you put about it, God spoke through David. And, and that's how we got the Bible. Have you ever thought about how we got the Bible? We have a, I have a class called the 2-2, and we go through how we got the Bible and all those kind of things. And you realize that First Peter and 1 and, uh, Timothy both say things like this. It says that God, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God would actually come upon a person like Peter and James and Paul and, and David and, and uh, Isaiah, and, and he would come upon them 
And in his power, he would let them speak. They would use their language, their background, their words, and yet it was the word of God. And David is saying, this is what God did. He actually spoke by me. His words came out through me. And that's why the Bible says uh, the, the writers were inspired and the scriptures themselves are God breathed, which means God breathes through a person. So when people wonder, how did you get the Bible? How did we get this? This was supernaturally done that God took people and used them, gave him the words, gave them the words and wrote them down. So David says, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. He's saying, I'm saying what God says. God spoke through David. Now, You've got to be careful when you read this because the next part's a little tricky. Let me read it for you. It says, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. Now, this is God speaking through David, but he's talking about David. It's David actually saying, God is speaking through me and he's talking about me. That's what he's going to do. Now, look what he says. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. So God is going to be speaking through this. God gave revelation through David, and David recognizes this. And look what he says. He's going to tell David what kind of kingdom he's going to have. Watch what he says. The rock of Israel spoke to me. Now, when it says, he who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God, he's talking about David. He's saying when David becomes king, or when David rules, he rules over men righteously. He rules in the fear of God. He goes on to say, he is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, tender grass brings out of the earth, sunshine after the rain. That is not talking about God. That's God talking about David. And so he describes, David, what kind of kingdom you're going to have. And he says that you will rule righteously. He will rule righteously over people. And let me tell you something. This is not only talking about how David's going to be the king, but the promise to David is he would have a son who would be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so this not only refers to David as a king, but to God, to, to Jesus as the coming king. So notice what he says. He is as, the, this is verse four. He is the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, when the tender grass springs out of the earth, thus sunshine after the rain. He's talking about it. He's saying the rock of Israel, the unmoving foundation, God describes to David the kind of kingdom he's going to have. And it deals with David, but it also deals with the future kingdom of the Messiah. You realize David knows we're going to see it in just a minute. David knows that God came to him and said, David, you're going to have a son. David could say, thank you. That's great. No, your son will never die. Your son will take the throne of Israel and rule forever. Now, the only person that could be is the Messiah. The only person that could be is the Savior of the world. And that's why through David came the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he was called, Jesus was called the son of David. Do you remember the story where Jesus is walking and there are two blind men and they're by the side of the road and somebody says something and they, and they say, who's coming? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And they start shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. And everybody says, shut up, be quiet. you're going to bother him. And they keep going, son of David. And David stops. I mean, Jesus stops and goes over to them and heals them. Why does he stop? Because he knows they know who he is. He's the son of David, the king of Israel, the Messiah, and the Savior. And they believe that. 
And he goes over there and heals them. So Jesus is called the son of David. And so here's the promise. David, you're going to have a kingdom. You're going to have a kingdom. And then look, and let me give you a, a great truth from the scripture. We'll find it in the Proverbs is this. Um, when righteous men rule, there's always blessing and joy. When wicked men rule, people hide themselves. That's what happens. We all run in fear. When you get wicked leaders, we all said, just tell them to leave me alone. Leave my bank account alone. Leave everything to deal with me. Leave it alone. Because when wicked people rule, we want to hide. When righteous people rule, there's joy. And when David ruled, there was joy. And when Jesus Christ rules, there will be blessing and joy throughout the whole world because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he rules with righteousness and justice. Now watch how, what David calls about his, his house. Watch what he says. Truly is not my house so with God. It's just like that. He has made an everlasting covenant with me. He's ordered, this is verse 5. He is ordered in all things and secured. And for my salvation and my desire, will he not indeed make it grow? He says, God's going to do it for me. He's going to do exactly what he promised. We could say it this way. Did not God rise up my house, raise up my house from, from nothing to something? That's just what, this is what God did for David. David says, you made a covenant with me. Now, we know what a covenant is. A covenant is an agreement. And there's different kind of covenants. There's covenants that people make with each other. There's covenants that God made with people and those kind of things. But we're going to see that God made a covenant with David, and it is an everlasting unended covenant. Now, let me remind you what it is. God said to David, one day you will have a son. That son will be the savior of the world. He will be the Messiah. He will be the king. He will come. He will sit on his throne and he will rule forever. That's the promise to David. David knows that. He says, you made a covenant with me, an everlasting covenant with me. So what is he talking about? Let's stop for a second. And that goes back to 2 Samuel 7. Verses 12 through 17, and I want you to do this. I want you to hold and turn back just a few pages to 2 Samuel chapter 7. See, we're in chapter 23. Just turn back to chapter 7. If you've been with us all the time we've been studying the book of First and Second Samuel, you remember, you'll remember when we actually went through this, and we went into detail when we went there. We're just going to touch on it. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17 is God's promise. David had looked out the window. David lived in a big house. He saw that God lived or God made his presence known in a tent. And David said, that's not right. God should have a big old building. I think I'll build a big building for God. And he told Nathan the prophet. And Nathan said, sounds good to me. Nathan went home and God came to Nathan and said, tell David he's not going to build me a house I'm going to build him a house. I'm going to build him a kingdom. I'm going to send him a son that will rule forever. So look at 2 Samuel chapter 7 and look at verse 12. This is Nathan telling God what God is telling David. Watch. When your days are complete, David, when you die and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you. Well, who could that be? We could say, well, was it Solomon? No, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for a short time. No, it says forever. So he says, I'm going to raise up a descendant from David, and he will rule forever. 
ever. Now, I'm going to go quickly because I want to show you there are three things here. He says, you'll have a kingdom, you'll have a house and a throne. At the end of verse 12, he says, I will establish your kingdom. In verse 13, he says, I'll establish a house, build a house, and I'll establish a throne. He tells David there will be a kingdom, a house, and a throne that will come through him forever. Look down at verse 16. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. The only possible way that you can have a kingdom forever, it has to be the Messiah. Now, let me ask you a question. Is somebody sitting on the throne of David right now? Is there a king of Israel that's ruling the world? No, but one day there will be. One day, Jesus Christ is going to come to this earth, and he's going to set up a kingdom that will rule for a thousand years and then on for eternity, and that's the kingdom. Now, let me quickly, just because of time, go over this about covenants. By the way, that's, who is David's greater son? That's the Messiah. God made five covenants with the nation of Israel. He did not make these covenants with us. We have the blessings of these covenants, but he did not make these covenants with us. He made an unconditional, a, a, a one conditional covenant, which was temporary, and he made four unconditional covenants. Now, conditional covenant means you, there's two things you have to do. Unconditional means God does it all. The conditional co- covenant was called the Mosaic Law. Both parties had a responsibility. You find it in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and especially Deuteronomy 27 through 30. It's called the Mosaic Law, 613 commandments. God set the nation of Israel apart, and he told them, you will obey these laws. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'll curse you. And that's exactly what the Mosaic Law, it was temporary. It started at Moses. It ended with Jesus Christ. Christ is the end of the law to all who believe. So the Mosaic Law was conditional, and it was temporary. Then God, God had made a four unconditional covenants with the nation of Israel. And he started with Abraham and he came to Abraham and he said, here's what I'm going to do, Abraham. I'm going to give, this is in Genesis 12. I'm going to give you a land, a seed, and a blessing. I'm going to give you a land that you live in. I'm going to give you a seed, a descendant who will come and this descendant will bless the entire world. That's the Messiah. And so that was the covenant God made with Abraham. Now, he made three other covenants with the Jewish people, and they all go back to land, seed, blessing. He made a land covenant in Genesis 15, and it gave details on the land. He made a Davidic covenant, which is the seed covenant, and that's dealing with David, and that's dealing with the Messiah. He made what we call the new covenant. It was a blessing found in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, in which God would bless the whole world. Those covenants went into effect. They will be fulfilled when Jesus comes as the king and sets up and rules for a thousand years and then on into eternity. God made promises with Abraham and on down and their unconditional covenants and they will come to pass. And David remembers that God will bring the fulfillment of God's covenant through David's greater son who is called the Messiah. I want you to think about this. After David was Solomon, some people could have said, Is Solomon the descendant that's going to sit on the throne forever? Did he? He died. It's not him. And then it wasn't Rehoboam or Jeroboam, and the nation divided up, and they went into captivity, and they came back, and they got scattered all over the world. And who is the king? Well, all of a sudden, there was this man, and his name was John the baptizing one, and he was saying, the Lamb of God is here. The Messiah is here. The king is here. And people said, really? And Jesus came, and he offered himself as the king. And he came and said, I am the descendant of... David, I am the son of David. I am the Messiah and the Savior, and I have come to rule. 
and to rule the world. And the nation of Israel said, we don't think so. In fact, we'll kill you. And they did. And then one day, Jesus rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, waiting. He's going to come get us. He's going to take us out. There's going to be a tribulation time period. Then Jesus is coming a second time to the earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's when this will all be fulfilled. The second coming of Christ, he comes to reign and take the throne of David. Let me show you this chart. Jesus came the first time. He died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, ascended into heaven. We're in the church age. The rapture is going to come, be taken out. There'll be a time called the seven-year tribulation. And then... There will be the coming of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He offered himself as king the first time. He was rejected. He comes the second time. He's not asking anybody. Revelation 19, 11, he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He comes with the sword. He comes in judgment. It's written on his side, the King of kings, Lord of lords. He's, it's written on his side is the word of God, and he comes in righteousness and judgment, and he sets up a kingdom. This is when all of the covenants that God made promises in the Old Testament, this is when they will come true. That's when David's greater son will sit on the throne of Israel. And it starts here, and it will be forever and ever. So I just wanted to go over that real fast for you, just so you could get that. And uh, let's, let's, uh, let's go back to 2 Samuel 23. I'll go really quickly. The last part shows this. He's saying, what a great time. But, verse 6, he's going to show the judgment. What happens to those who reject the Messiah? They won't be in the kingdom. Look what he says. The worthless Every one of them will be thrust away like thorns that cannot be taken in hand. The man who touches them must be armed with iron and a shaft of a spear. They will be completely burned with fire in their place. He's saying the ones who reject, the worthless people, that's what he's calling those who reject the Messiah and the king, they won't be in the kingdom, and that is true. There's going to come that time when Jesus comes and sets up a kingdom, and unbelievers will not be in the kingdom. They'll be separated. They'll all be killed when he sets up the kingdom. And so we'll see that. It's incredible, incredible truths. David's last words, he says, I've been raised up by God, and I'm the anointed of God. He talks about the kingdom. He says, God made me a promise, and my kingdom will shine like the light. And this is what God has done with this everlasting covenant. My hope and prayer is that you understand those things. Let me put this up really quickly. I know time is up. Um, let's understand David's position. Think about who he is. He was raised up by God. He was anointed of God, and he is the psalmist of Israel. That's David. What about our position? Do you understand that we were dead, and now we're alive? We've been raised up by God. We've become children of God simply by faith in Jesus Christ. And so the way that God took David and raised him up, he's done the same for us. We've been raised up uh, to great position as children of God. The second thing, let's understand God's covenants to Israel. There was the conditional one, the law, which started at Moses, ended with Christ. It's a, it, there's blessing there, and there's cursing, and it's a temporary one. Then there are four unconditional covenants. They are eternal, and that's powerful truths, and that the fulfillment will be when Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, you, the next event is not that. The next event, Jesus comes in the clouds, takes us out. There'll be a tribulation time period. Then Jesus comes as the king, and all the covenants that he made with Israel will be fulfilled. And then finally, let's understand our security in Christ. Just as David was raised up, we're raised up, Ephesians 2. Just as David was secure, we're secure, John 10, 28. Just as David was protected, we are protected, Hebrews 13, 6. He'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? 
realize that the way God took David and used him and blessed him, he takes every one of us who believe in him for eternal life and blesses us, raises us up, and uses us, will use us for his glory.